I was looking at the water in Pacific. I was looking at the waves and I was kind of like, Christ, like this is rough. It's known for being for intermediates and experts. And I thought there's no way I'm getting in that water. But one of the surf instructors like along the beach came up to me and asked me if I wanted to go surfing. And I said, no way, look at the water, that's for experts. And at this point I was getting really agitated. I didn't want to quit, I'm not a quitter, but I thought this, at this point now, this is becoming dangerous. Like he's not watching me. I feel like I'm alone in these waters. The current's really strong. So I decided to give up and paddle back in. And I was angry, I was furious. And my friend came up to me, she was like, what's up? And I was just shaking my head. I hated it, I hated it. I was really disappointed. I was really angry as well. I was angry at the surf instructor. I was angry at the other guy who told me that it was safe. And he was just so happy to take my money. Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Destination Happiness. In this episode, I am going to be giving you all the insights, all the fun, sharing some stories about my recent trip to the Philippines. Now, this was our first time going to the Philippines in Southeast Asia. It's funny because I was intending on going there in 2018, but I I never actually got round to it. Um, And the reason being is because when I was doing my research and trying to book a flight, It was so difficult trying to decide where I wanted to go. Um, It's quite a difficult country to navigate, to be honest. It's not like Vietnam, where you start in the south and work your way up north, or like Cambodia, where you kind of do it in a circle. It's really random, really sporadic route. Um, So when I was looking to go there previously... I was looking at flights to Manila, and then I was looking at flights to Cebu, and then I was looking at flights here and there, and I just couldn't make my mind up where I wanted to go. Um, So I ended up going to Thailand instead, but I'm really glad that I finally made it to the Philippines. It's such a beautiful country. And actually, I think it's probably... It may have taken the top place of my favourite countries in Southeast Asia. And I don't mean that lightheartedly. I mean, it is quite difficult because when I traveled Vietnam, I had such an incredible time. Every day I was doing something new and it was, yeah, like just so exciting. I had a really good group of people that I had met organically. I was traveling with them and we all got along really well. There were parts of the Philippines, like Chagao, um, that I think I preferred to Bali and I lived in Bali for a few months last year I honestly think I would prefer to live in Chargao for various reasons number one is because the surf is just epic and you don't need to worry about many other people there there are a few local spots if you know the right people Um, they will take you and show you to the best places to surf I, um, I'm not going to say it on here because, yep, that's a secret. But if you want to know, then send me a message. And also it's like, it's really humble. And I like humble. I don't like all this pretentiousness that Bali has grown towards. And I don't mean that about the whole of the island. I think, um, particularly just like touristy places like Changu, Seminyak, there's a lot of people there with big egos, big Instagram followings, 
I feel like some people should be taken down a few pegs. Do you know what I mean? Um, I'm trying to think of the right words to say here. <laughs> Pretty much, I don't like people with big egos who are pretentious, who think they're better than everyone else. I like spending time with people who are down to earth, with good personalities, who don't think they're better than everyone. That's what I'm trying to say anyway. I'm not saying that everyone in Bali is like that, but there are a lot of those characters there. Travelling the world has become a huge part of my life over the past few years, but often the logistical side of travel, such as navigating airports and catching flights, can be an overwhelming and stressful experience. Tasks like packing, waking up early, travelling to the airport, and dealing with concerns like overweight baggage and security checks can discourage people from embarking on long-haul journeys. I've had a few stressful airport experiences, like the time I flew from Vietnam to Cambodia and realised I was in the wrong terminal after queuing for over an hour. Misinterpreting the need to take an internal flight in Vietnam before heading to Cambodia, I instinctively went to the international airport. I almost missed my flight and was panicking so much when I realised it would have been so much hassle and time lost waiting to catch another flight. That's why I love it when you finally get through security, find your gate and take the time to explore the shops. They have so many incredible products that just feed my soul and make me feel better. Not just for travel, but in general too. When I'm in the UK, I love to explore World Duty Free, particularly their products from Mind, Body, Soul, which are super helpful in stressful situations while travelling as they help you relax and feel more at ease, feeling refreshed, ready to take on new experiences. Categorised into relaxed, feel better, better fitness and travel comfort, these products enhance the travel experience, promoting relaxation before, during and long after you've returned home from your trip. I have a few good tips to help make your journey as seamless as possible. Download some music before you switch to airplane mode, Take an empty water bottle with you to fill up after you go through security to stay hydrated and get some healthy snacks for the plane. I'd also recommend getting an eye mask, neck pillow and some earplugs for the journey to make it a comfortable flight. Mind Body Soul have a great range of hydrating lip balm and moisturiser, which I think is a must. The aircon gets incredibly drying on flights and the last thing you need is to break out just as you go on holiday. Make sure you always stay hydrated and have a backpack to carry water with you, as well as other travelling essentials like sunscreen. The sun is great, but you need to stay safe. Prioritise comfort in your airport outfit, and even take a blanket with you as it can get pretty cold on those planes. Even if you are headed to a hot country, it can get a little chilly. I always make sure I have my compression socks with me too, to reduce any risk of blood clots. There are lots of ways you can make your journey as comfortable and as restful as possible. When you're next in London Stansted Airport waiting for your flight, check out everything Mind Body Soul has to offer. Or if you can't wait for your next trip, you can check out their products online and pre-order to any UK airport World Duty Free at worldgtfree.com. Maintaining a healthy routine can be challenging, but some gyms around the world have free trials, so I've enjoyed trying out a few whilst travelling. I've had so much fun trying different yoga classes in Bali 
and during my recent trip to the Philippines, found myself surfing every day at local spots and keeping active whilst having so much fun and practicing a skill. When bringing back souvenirs for friends and family, consider thoughtful well-being gifts from Mind, Body, Soul. Their natural, ethically sourced products make for meaningful and feel-good presents from your worldly adventures. If you do check it out when you're next at the airport, make sure to tag me and let me know what you think. Okay, so when we went to the Philippines, we had a flight there, a flight back, which was like just under a month later, and only two nights booked, and the two nights were booked in Caron. We didn't have anything else planned or booked. We kind of had like a little bit of a rough itinerary. I made one just like so that we had some prior research before we got there so that we kind of had an idea where we wanted to go. Liz also had an itinerary, so we kind of like clubbed together and decided where we did want to go. The good thing about not booking things in advance is that you can be very flexible with things. If you get somewhere, for example, like when we got to Caron, we liked it, but I think other than the boat tour, we didn't love it. Um, I think, I don't know, maybe it was also as well, just because we only just got to Asia, we hadn't been there in a while, and the girls were kind of a bit apprehensive about the whole new culture, so maybe just like the dynamic of the group, um, we wanted something a bit more chilled, um, where we were staying was like right near a busy road as well, so that probably contributed to that. When you don't book things in advance, you can be flexible, and if you don't like somewhere as much, you can move on sooner. And if you do like somewhere more than you anticipated, then you can stay there for a few extra nights. Like, it's so good. But the downside with not having things booked in advance in the Philippines, I would say, is sometimes things can get pretty expensive in terms of internal flights or boats, things like that. The annoying thing is you can't... Well, I mean, you, you probably can, but it's difficult. Um, the way we did it and a lot of other people we spoke to traveled around was flying from place to place but we had to keep crossing the same places back again if that makes sense so for example when we went from well I'll tell you our itinerary we went to Caron then El Nido then Princess Puerta then from there we had a flight to Cebu City Cebu City we went down to Mobile and then we had to go back up to Cebu City to go to Chargao and then we had to go back to Cebu City again for the third time to go back to Manila to catch a flight back to Melbourne. And yeah, those internal flights can get pretty expensive if you book them only like a few days in advance, which is annoying because you do want that flexibility. So it's kind of trying to find a balance between being flexible and also being um, smart and being able to book cheaper flights. But I guess it really depends on you and how much time you have, how much money you have, you know. I would recommend spending, well, it depends on how much time you've got, but we had a month. We spent two nights in Caron, which I think was enough. We did do the speed ferry, which takes five hours from Caron to El Nido. But I think in hindsight, it probably would have been a good idea to do the island hopping boat. So that is, so instead of going straight from El Nido to Caron or vice versa, you do, I think, two days, two nights or three days, three nights, 
um, between the islands and stay at different places in between, either on the boat or on the beaches. And it sounds beautiful. It sounds so nice. Like, I would have loved to have done that. So maybe when I go back, then that will be on our list of things to do. Yeah, you do also have the option of getting boats between these places. Um, not for everywhere. Um, but you can probably, I don't know, probably fly from Coron to El Nido. But we got the boat. Um, but again, it's also trying to get a right balance between saving time and saving money there. And also, I love boats, so I would always choose a boat. You can just sit on the sun deck, um, watch the waves, but I don't know if that's just me, just because I love boats. Um, side note, I have just moved to Ellie Beach and am now working on the boats, touring around the Whitsundays. Um, and I'm so excited about my new job. I'm so excited to be here. I'm happy. I've got a new house, got a new life, new beginning. And yeah, I'll probably be doing another episode in the future just talking about this new transition. Um, but yeah, that's to come. I think as well, um, we didn't realise this. We got a flight from Mobile to Cebu City to Chargao. But just for future reference, you can do that trip by boat, just to let you know, and it's a whole lot cheaper, but we didn't realise until after we booked everything. Um, so just, yeah, do some research so you don't make the same mistakes that we did. Here's a question for you. Do you know how many islands are in the Philippines? I'll give you a clue. It's probably a lot more than you think. Okay, I'm just looking here. The Philippine archipelago comprises about 7,641 islands, clustered into three major island groups, Luzon, the Visayas, and Mindanao. Only about 2,000 islands are inhabited, and more than 5,000 are yet to be officially named. Wow, I didn't realise that some of them didn't have any names. Okay, so my point here is that there are a lot of places to go in the Philippines and you probably if you've done some research you've probably found that there's so many different places that you want to go there's Caron there's El Nido there's Boracay there's um, Cebu City there's Camiguin there's so many places like I just can't even tell you all of them so yeah we had like a big list of things that we wanted to do lots of places we want to see Bohol um, Sikihor, so many places, Shargao. But the thing is, because there's so many places, I think what you don't want to do is try and squeeze everything in. What we found is, unlike Vietnam, where all the places that you visit are very different from each other, I think other than Shargao, which is renowned for surfing, a lot of the other places are quite similar in terms of what you can do, things um, to see around in the area like don't get me wrong like I'm not saying I'm not criticizing it or anything I'm just saying that it's all beautiful um, and I think it would be a real shame to try and rush through places just to tick things off your list when you could travel a bit more slowly and really embrace it get to know the locals find your favorite cafe find your favorite spot rent out a bike and just drive around safely, of course, um, and explore different areas, try and go off the beaten path, maybe find a waterfall, 
go and do a morning hike, watch the sunrise, watch the sunset in the evening. You know, I think traveling slowly is much more valuable and it can um, just make you appreciate a place much more. Um, so yeah, despite us having one month, we didn't visit as many places as we'd hoped because we realized this quite soon on that we didn't, we weren't able to go everywhere. So we spent two nights in Karom. When we got to El Nido, we quickly decided that we loved it. And so we spent, I think, five nights there. Then our next destination after El Nido was to go to Mobile. But instead of going straight there, we went to Puerto Princesa and stayed for one night. And then we flew to Cebu City and stayed for one night there. And then we got a bus down to Mobile. And in hindsight, we could have done that all in a day, all in one day's traveling. I think we just overestimated um, how much traveling it would be. And we spread it out across three days, which we really didn't need to do. And by the end of it, we we're kind of just a bit like bummed out and thought, oh, do you know what? We've not done anything fun in a few days. Like, this is not very nice. Um, so, yeah, we, we did that. And then when we were in Mobile, we stayed there for, I think, another week. And then we did Shargao for 10 days. And oh my God, I fell in love with that island. I can't even tell you enough how much I adored it. If you ask Liz, if you ask Eve, if you ask the locals that I spoke to, oh my God, I absolutely loved it. The cafe, Sybil, um, surfing with my surf instructor pal. Like, oh my God, I just fell in love, honestly. And we even got an apartment there, but I'll go into that in a bit more detail in a minute. Yeah, we got a little apartment for 10 days. Uh, oh no, five days. The other five days were in a hostel, but that was uh, interesting. The food in the Philippines as well. Before I got there, I just know that I love Southeast Asian food. It's in my blood. I love Southeast Asian food. I always have and I always will. And I don't think there's anything bad you can say about it. So after living in Australia for a year and a half now, and especially being in rural Queensland for nine months where you don't even have like a McDonald's or anything like that, there's not even a Coles or a Woolies, I was so excited to get my hands on the food, get that in my mouth, get the taste buds tingling, you know, and just try as many different food items as I can. For me, food is a big part of traveling. Um, I just love trying new foods. I'm a food addict. Before I got to the Philippines, I was told that they didn't really have their own national dish. And that kind of surprised me, but I thought, well, maybe it's to do with colonization. Maybe they're kind of just like a bit of everything. Maybe they just, you know, like rice is rice. Rice is found in most Asian countries or if not all of them. Um, and so I thought, oh, okay, well, maybe it's just, like, a bit simpler then. And I don't even know who told me that, but they do. I don't know um, where I got that information from. Um, don't get me wrong, it's not like Thailand's food, where they've got absolutely everything in all different shapes and colours in terms of food. Um... The first thing that the girls had, which I didn't have, was tofu seasick. We went to this vegetarian restaurant in Caron, and I didn't try any, but the look on their faces and the smile that it gave them, 
They loved it. And do you know what? I don't think they ever stopped talking about that tofu seasick since we left. Um, that restaurant was called Le Voyage in Caron, just in case you are going there and you want to check it out. They adored it. And when I was there, I got a chicken curry and I got it in my eye. So I didn't quite have the same experience. I had curry spice in my eye and was pretty much crying the entire time. Um, another dish that we had was Jinatang... Jinatang Galay, I think I said that correctly. And that was kind of like a vegetable, creamy dish, really saucy, almost like a curry sauce, but uh, I mean that in terms of like the consistency and it just tasted beautiful, I loved it. It was creamy, like white kind of sauce, really recommend. Um, one of their other dishes that they have is chicken abodo. Now, I didn't order this at any restaurants. They kind of just gave it to us when we did our boat tours and when we did our canyoneering tour in Mulbowl. Um, it's like a, it's pretty much just like, it's just chicken on its, on its own with, um, with sauce through it. It's like a brown, dark, like quite a strong tasting sauce. It's really nice. And yeah, that's, that's another one of their dishes. But to be honest, a lot of the food that I had, I was just trying bits of this, trying bits of that. We had lots of grilled fish too. If I was to summarize Philippines food culture in a nutshell, I would put grilled fish very near the top. They love it and I love it. We're on the beach one day. I can't remember exactly what beach, but it's in my YouTube video. Um, oh, side note, I don't know if you guys have checked out my new YouTube channel, but you can have a look at that. It's called destination happiness vlog on YouTube. So go and check it out. Um, I've had a lot of good feedback already and yeah, you guys love it. Filipino people love it. And I'm just so happy that people are consuming the content because I know that it puts a smile on their faces. They leave comments saying, oh, thank you for coming to my country. And they're really invested. So I think you guys should check it out. There's lots, um, lots of detail on there, lots of fun, adventure and exploration to watch and get involved with. So yeah, go and have a look. Let me know what you think. When we were on the beach one day, like I said, um, we were just walking along and we were quite hungry. We agreed that we needed to go for lunch. We looked on the map and there wasn't really much around, but we thought we'd have a look, have a little wander. And we came across this guy who had just been fishing he was at a restaurant and he had some fish in an esky, which is an icebox for you English people. We were wandering along and we said to him, like, how much for some fish? He didn't really have a menu. It was kind of just, like, fish. And he quoted us 300 pesos for one big fish, which would more than feed three of us. So 300 pesos, 300 Filipino pesos, is £4.30 pence shared between three of us, so like one pound, two pounds, kind of, yeah, I'm not gonna do that math right now. 300 pesos in AUD, 300 pesos in AUD is eight dollars and 20 cents for a fish divided by three. Now, I think that's a pretty good price and it also came with rice. So we were three very happy girls. He barbecued it for us. He chopped up some vegetables and stuffed the fish with it and put it on the barbie, put it on the grill and we just ate it on the beach. It was really good. And then this other guy was coming around and he was selling buco drink and I didn't know what it was at the time, but 
when I don't know what things are, I always welcome it with open arms. And it is a milky coconut drink, which quickly became my new favorite drink. There's lots of food to be eaten, lots of new things and new flavors to try when you go over to the Philippines, for sure. I'm gonna kinda just break down now what we did in each place, cause I've waffled on a bit about lots of other stuff, but you probably just wanna know what I did in each place, right? When we were in Karom, we did the super ultimate boat tour. So on the boat tour, we went snorkeling and I did some free diving as well at Kayangan and Barracuda Lake, which I adored. Because it was a lake, there was no current or anything like that. And I felt, I felt quite confident swimming to the bottom and just sitting on, on the lake bed and seeing how long I could hold my breath for, which was, yeah, quite fun for me. I was just sat down there with one of the other guides and we were just like seeing how, how long we could hold our breath and seeing who could stay down the longest. And um, he was encouraging me to stay down for longer than I thought I could. If you're free diving, you know you can, you know in your heads, like when you're not doing it, that you can push yourselves more. But when you're actually there and you need air, it, um, your instincts, like all your bodily instincts tell you to just swim up and get some air. But if you've got someone down there encouraging you to hold your breath for a bit longer, then it makes it a lot easier. We also went to Skeleton Beach and Twin Lagoon. And yeah, we did a lot of snorkeling. We did a bit of swimming around, wandering across the beaches. And yeah, the whole day was just beautiful. We did do another boat tour actually in El Nido, which was very different. I preferred the itinerary of the boat tour in Caron and all the views we saw. You know, you ever see like those Instagram reels or TikToks and it's of all the giant rocks in the Philippines, like on the beach. That's where we were. And it was breathtaking. I felt like I was in a movie or something. We stayed at a place called Dayon Hostel. Um, however, when we got there, like it just wasn't a good atmosphere. I'm really sorry to say. Um, everything was really dark. Our room was quite small and cramped. Like um, there just wasn't enough space at all. It wasn't uh, great. I, I mean, it wasn't bad, but like I wouldn't recommend it. So that was day on hostel. Um, I have heard in hindsight that there's a place called Outpost and that's so much better. I do believe that that is right on the beach as well. Um, and ours wasn't by the beach. It was kind of near the busy road. So if you're going to check out Caron, then have a look at Outpost Hostel. Um, and yeah, that was pretty much it other than the um, restaurant I told you about, Le Voyage. Um, there's a couple of markets and stuff you can wander around, like local markets, but it's just like fruit, fish, you know. We just, um, we didn't really vibe with it too well is what I'm saying. When we went to El Nido, we stayed at Friends Hostel, F-R-E-N-D-Z. And it was a complete contrast from Day on Hostel. We absolutely loved it there. The staff were amazing. The bedrooms were spacious. There was lots of other people in the hostel as well to make friends. And it was like quite a big group, quite a big community. There was a rooftop bar and a rooftop pool, which we enjoyed chilling out at. And I would just say 100% that if you go to El Nido to stay at Friends Hostel, Especially if you're solo traveling as well, it's so much easier to make friends when you're in a hostel because 
everyone's kind of in the same boat. Everyone's traveling, everyone's there. It's everyone's kind of like new experience and they want to experience new things together. And a lot of other people were solo traveling too. So they'd be open to making friends with you. They'd be open to going out and exploring with you and going on adventures together. And you know, if you share adventures together, it naturally like bonds you guys and you can form a friendship. Um, and then maybe even go on to travel together afterwards um, to other places. And you know, you guys may even become best friends. I always recommend hostels, as you know. To be fair, actually, there were a few times we didn't stay at hostels when we were in the Philippines. Um, when we were in Cebu City, we stayed at this place three, t three separate times called Beds and Friends. Just because we wanted to uh, chill out. We weren't in Cebu City to explore. We were just there on transfers too, so didn't really feel the need to stay at hostels in those places. It was also right next to the airport too, which was good. Yeah, we did so much in El Nido, hey? Um, Vanilla Beach, which was beautiful, although when we went there, um, what was that noise? We were walking through, like, we just seen, like, the beautiful sand. It was our first beach that we went to in the Philippines. And in the background, what was that noise? And we hear some, like, screaming or something. And we look, and then there's, like, these, like, three or four locals carrying a pig to a boat. And we're like, oh, shit, like, it's going to get slaughtered. Um, and it really upset the girls, like, they're both pescatarian, and seeing that, it wasn't really a nice sight, a nice thought. But then, you know, you've got to think that that is their way of life. That happens on a mass scale worldwide, and it is sad. Um, very controversial as well, like, I personally don't agree. I just think it's weird how... Um, everything is mass produced um, but I guess I don't know I'm not vegetarian or anything like that I do think that if people have their own pigs and their own animals and they do things themselves and that's a lot more sustainable than the food production industry and all of that but do you know what I'm not going to get into that now because that's not my area of expertise if you want to talk about veganism then go to a veganism podcast <laughs> the point of the story is it was a cultural shock and yeah not really what we expected to see on the beach that's what I'm trying to say that's the point I'm trying to make we also um, rented some bikes when we were in El Nido and it was the first time that we had ridden bikes in about a year and a half. It's been about a year and a half now since we've all lived in Australia. So yeah, the last time I rode was in Cambodia. Um, and getting back on a bike, you know, as the saying goes, you never forget how to ride a bike. But yeah, we rented them out. We rode around the island. We did a bit of exploring. Um, Eliz and I, we rode up to Nakpan Beach. We had a coconut. We're just wandering around and just appreciating the views, the palm trees, the sun, the humbleness of it all, stripped back way of living. And honestly, like, part of my heart loves Asia. Well, like, all my heart loves Asia. I love Asia so much and I feel so at home when I'm there and then when I'm in Australia I feel the same way but about different things it's funny like I can see myself and my life in Asia like I was before when I was in Bali but then 
I also feel the same about here in Australia and it's hard because like they're completely different places one's very westernized and one's very stripped back but I love both equally in different ways we booked boat to tour a with the hostel with friends hostel they um they they have a company like connected to them called hacky life h a q q y and I would a thousand percent recommend booking that boat trip as well as the one in Caron. It's not a case of do one or the other, do both because you won't regret it. So the reason why I loved it so much is because the crew on board were just so energetic. They were so friendly. They, they completely made the atmosphere. And as well, like me, Eliz and Eve, we went on as a group, but they didn't let us sit next to each other. They kind of forced us to make friends with everyone else on the boat. Um, so when we got on, we had designated seats next to strangers and we had to like memorize everyone's names and they wouldn't let us have any snorkeling equipment until we remembered three other people's names. Like it was funny. So we were just going rounds trying to remember everyone and it's a real good icebreaker too. They're really good at their jobs there. I really recommend Hacky Life. Um, especially there was this one guy on board, the crew was called MC and he was just fabulous. Like we loved him so much. Um, MC, you are amazing if you're listening to this. To be honest with you, I did prefer the itinerary of the boat tour in Caron, which was the super ultimate boat tour. Um, yeah, I preferred that one to the one in um, El Nido boat trip A, boat tour A. Um, but we still had a lot of fun. We went to the beach and played a bit of beach volleyball. We also did some snorkeling. We went kayaking too around one of the lakes. So yeah, we, re we really had a good time and, um, and then there was like a little bit of an after, not an after party, but kind of, um, we were all invited back to Friends Hostel to the rooftop bar for free shots, we're in the swimming pool, having a bit of a swim round, relaxing all together with our new friends that we just made for the day and it was fun, you should do that. Also as well, I don't know if we just got really lucky, but the sunsets in El Nido were next level. I did make a TikTok and an Instagram reel about it. You can go and check it out and just see exactly what I mean. Um, the only way, probably the best way I can describe it is, you know how you see the Northern Lights and how it's swirly green? Well, it was like that, but it was pink, pink and blue. And I'd never really seen anything like that before. Maybe it was just that one particular night or maybe it's an El Nido thing, I'm really not sure, but yep, there are some good beaches around El Nido and you should um, go there for the sunset, maybe take some snacks too, and, and just maybe just go there as well, like just before or after you go to have dinner. Um, really nice place to go and sit, or just maybe go down with some friends, take a packet of cards, take a blanket, sit on the beach, have a few drinks as well if you, if you fancy that. I'm a big lover of sunsets and nature, mainly because they're free and accessible to everyone. It doesn't matter whether you're a rich person or you're a poor person. It doesn't matter whether you live in a expensive place or a stripped back place. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're from. Everyone is entitled to a sunset and it's not like you can pay for a better sunset. Sunsets are for everyone and everyone can appreciate them. So yeah, I love it. I feel like they're very inclusive. 
Okay, um, our next place that we went to was Mole Bowl. And to be honest with you, up until Mole Bowl, everywhere just got... Well, actually, the whole, the whole time, actually, everywhere just got better and better and better. Uh, yeah, we heard some good things about Mole Bowl. I'm going to skip Puerto Princesa and um, Cebu City because they were kind of just like transfers. We didn't really explore them, so I'm not really going to talk about that. There's no point. Um, but mobile, yeah, we went canyoneering at Kawasan Falls, and oh my god, I, um, I was low-key terrified. When I was in Vietnam, my friends went canyoneering, but I decided not to go because it was really expensive, and, um, I was in Southeast Asia, I had no idea what I was doing with my life, and I was quickly running out of money, um, and at the time, like, I didn't know I was going to come to Australia. I just didn't know what I was doing. So the thought of spending, like, I can't even remember how much on canyoneering. I don't know. It just didn't seem like a good idea. And in hindsight, I really regret that decision because money comes and goes and time doesn't. I'm never going to be able to go back to Vietnam again and go canyoneering there with, with the people that I'd met. Like, that's not going to be an option anymore. I could have done it at the time or I could never do it at all. Okay, so it was £60. 1,800,000 Vietnamese dong. Yep, yeah, uh, so £60. I was really reluctant to spend £60 on a canyoneering trip. And in hindsight, I really regret that. I should have spent £60. Fuck it, just book it, you know? And um, I was saying that to the girls as well, because we were trying to not spend too much money when we were in the Philippines. But I just kept saying to them, like, you know, you're never going to be here again. Money comes and goes, you'll earn it back. Um, but you're never going to have the chance to be here again for the first time experiencing this place in the same way. Um, I had my reasons at the time, like, I didn't know where I was going to go, I had no idea what country I was going to, you know, so, like, everything was a bit up in the air, but it is what it is. So, yeah, when we went canyoneering in Mobile, oh, my God, I just wasn't expecting it. Liz was telling me what it was like canyoneering in Vietnam and it sounded pretty tame, you know, like maybe a bit hectic, but when we got here, so um, we had like a little bit of a safety briefing, but all they really said was don't touch anything and be safe and stay with your guides. And then they just sent us on our way. Like, all right. Okay. Um, we had life jackets on and we had helmets on, but that was really it. We all had to go on the back of these guys' motorbikes. Um, and there was two people on a bike as well as the driver. So there was me and Eve and this mystery driver on a bike. He had sunglasses on. He had, like, a balaclava on or I can't remember. Maybe it was, like, a hat. I don't know. Like, you just couldn't see his face at all. And it was, it was kind of like a, a race to the top. I felt like we're all there, we're all on our bikes, they're all kind of like revving as well. None of us had any clue like who whose bike we were on or like who these people were. And they all seemed to be in a rush as well. It's like they had somewhere to be afterwards. Um, so we're all waiting until we're all ready. And it felt like Mario Kart. And I'm not even kidding when I said that. Like, you know, at the beginning where everyone's racing, there's a cloud above you and it's just like counting down. And our guy, he went speeding past everyone. I was like, bloody hell. Like, oh my God, this is actually kind of fun though. Cause normally I'm riding my own bike. So it's, it's cool being on the back of the bike and able to appreciate the scenes without having to worry about driving, you know? 
But yeah, so we got to the top and then soon afterwards everyone else arrived behind us, found our guide and not really much was said. He was like, right, go on then, someone jump in. I was like, what? We're jumping in from here. And I'm looking down. We stood on like the edge of a cliff um, where the river was running through. Maybe like, I don't know how many foot it was. Maybe like a, I don't know, 15, 20 foot drop. And they were just like, right, jump in. <laughs> um, we're like, uh, are you sure? And they're like, yep, yeah, just jump in. Uh, I think I was one of the first people to jump in and uh, I was kind of worried about my ears because I, you might have heard me saying in the last episode when I was talking with Ashley but um, when I was in Australia doing the White River water rafting I jumped in from a high rock and my ears like kind of popped under the water and it really hurt and this was the first time in six years that I jumped into water from a height so high. So I was really skeptical and I jumped in and everything was fine. I bobbed back up with my life jacket on, with my helmet on, and then away I went with the river. I was like, okay, that's not so bad. So we kept going and going and we were climbing through canyoneering, like climbing through rocks, swimming jumping etc like it was fun but oh my god like I felt like there was no safety precautions at all I thought maybe we would have some rope or something to cling on to so that at least we felt a bit more stable but no they were like right grab the rock here I'm like what do you mean here like there's nothing to grab onto and they're like right grab my shoulder I'm like well if I fall then you fall and then if you fall everyone else is gonna fall and I don't know, like, these guys were just so good at their jobs because nothing bad happened, but I just felt like that the window of opportunity for something bad to happen was very large. And I felt like it would have been easy for someone to slip. There was this one point where the guides made a human bridge across this really powerful point in the river, in the waterfall. Um, the water was coming right at us. Like, we were getting plummeted with water and I felt like one wrong slip and I would just fall straight down straight into the rocks I don't know what's beneath the surface of the water is it going to be like really um really sharp am I going to hurt myself like what are the dangers here um so they made a human bridge like right hang on to us and cross the water and they were getting plummeted too um <laughs> that was probably the scariest moment of the day um, but we made it across. I think there's a video of me somewhere looking absolutely terrified. Uh, it's probably in the YouTube channel as well. Go and check it out. It's the video about mobile. And yeah, like it was just a crazy day. So if you are in Cebu Island and you're like down south, mobile, like Badian area, then definitely go and check it out. We also rented bikes and drove down to this waterfall, Deu Falls. Now, we're already halfway there because by this point, we decided to take a step out of hostel life. We were staying at Moho Hostel, which we actually really loved. Um, but we had a, quite a long time in Marble, so we had a chance to step away and go to this nice relaxing resort for a few days to just like not have to worry about what we're doing or anything like just chill out for a bit you know so we're already halfway there so we took our bikes and we drove down right to the south of the island to Deu Falls and this guy that I met while I was in the Philippines recommended it to me he said that he went there and he had the most spectacular time so I was keen to go 
It must have taken us about an hour and a half from our resort, which was already halfway down. So then we had an even longer drive back. So yeah, it must have taken us about an hour and a half to get there. And then when we arrived, there was a sign that said, day four's temporarily closed. Like what? It didn't say this at all on Google. Like, what do you mean it's closed? But we thought, do you know what? Well, if the other guy went in there a few days before then, maybe there's a way we can get in. So we took the turning anyway, and then there was this local guy there, and he was like, are you looking for Doe Falls? And we said, yeah. And he goes, follow me. And so we followed him on our bikes, and he took us up, so I thought, okay, well, he's local. If he's helping us get there, then like, they can't be too restricted in terms of um, like no trespassing or anything like that. So we followed him, and then we got to a fork in the road. He was like, right, you go that way, I'll go this way. I was like, oh, thank you so much. So we went through... And, yeah, we were just driving and driving and driving, and eventually the road came to a dead end. We're like, oh, okay, like, well, where is it? There was no one else there because it was closed. There was, like, an old reception area, but um, that was also closed. There was nobody around. And so we parked up our bikes. It said parking. We had to pay for parking, but there was no one there, so there was no one to pay. And... We were, we, were trying to, we were walking around at this point. We were trying to work out, like, where the waterfall was. I could hear water. And so I went over to, like, the edge of this cliff to peer over and see if it was there. And then it turned out that I was listening to the wind blowing the trees. I was like, OK, that's not water. Um, and then I wandered to the back of reception, and it was just, like, rubbish there. I was like, OK, well, where's the waterfall? Like, there was a sign to say we're in the right place, but we just had no idea. Further down the grass we see there's like an opening in the trees. So we walked down there and then I saw like there was the, um, it wasn't like a defined path, but you could see that people had walked down there before. So I was like, oh, okay guys, like come this way. I think this is the way to the waterfall. So we walked down and then we carried on walking and then it quickly became evidence that we were on the right tracks, which was good. I was wearing trainers at this point because I didn't think we would have to walk so far. But we crossed this part of like a stream. It was it would have been deep enough to soak my shoes, but not deep enough to like want to go barefoot. Like I thought I'd be able to make it across if I stood on the right stones, then I would be able to not get my shoes wet. So I did that and it was fine. And then we were walking and walking and walking. And then again, like we came across another bit of the stream and it this time it was deeper. I was like, oh, like I can make this one, but if, if there's gonna be more, then I'm gonna be in trouble here. And as we were continuing to walk, I was like, right, guys, like, I'm either going to have to commit to getting my trainers soaked or take my shoes off. And the reason why I was reluctant to take my shoes off is because it was very sharp um, and slippery. And, like, I don't know if it's just me, but I'm very conscious of my ankles and making sure I don't accidentally twist them or step on something wrong. Uh, maybe I'm just getting old. I don't know. So yeah, I, um, I, I went barefoot from this point. The girls were walking ahead and I was like, okay, well, I'll try and catch up with them, but I'm not going to rush. And after maybe, I, I think it was like 20 minutes of just like canyoneering through this stream barefoot, we finally made it to Deu Falls. And oh my God, like it was beautiful. There was these two local kids as well that began following us and... 
Um, I tried to speak with them, but their English wasn't very good, and obviously my um, Filipino is not very good either. I speak a bit of Spanish, but, you know, it's not quite the same, so um, it was difficult to communicate with them, but they seemed friendly. Like, I think they were just there making sure we were okay. They were local to the area, and when I looked on Google reviews previously, there were some per some people that said that some of the local kids help you down um, to the falls just to make sure you're okay. So it kind of felt like they were being my guardian angel there, especially as like the girls had wandered off and I was just like barefoot. I thought oh, I'm trying to not break my ankle. <laughs> But yeah, so we got down and we saw Deu Falls. It was magnificent. And also, like, there wasn't anyone there. It was just me, Eve, and Eliz. And we sat down, oh, and the boys. So we sat down and I had some snacks with us. So um, we were eating them. They were like fake Oreos that I'd been carrying around for a while because I just wasn't eating them. And the boys sat down as well, and I offered them some, and they were like, oh, yes, please, thank you. Well, they didn't actually say that, but, like, I could just tell from their facial expressions that they were happy. There's a language that you learn when you're travelling that's not actually vocal. Um, I'm currently reading The Alchemist at the moment, and it talks about... There's the shepherd, is the, the main character in the book, and he talks about how he communicates with his sheep but not via language, like vocal language or English. It's like through another kind of subliminal language. So, and he said that you, you learn that while you're traveling. And I completely agree, like you do. Like there's so many other ways of communicating with people from different cultures and different um, countries. When people message me and they say that they're worried about language barriers, I say to them like, well, it's fine because there's so many different ways you can communicate with people. You don't really need to worry about language barriers. But anyway, back to the story. So we were just sitting there appreciating the waterfall, eating our snacks. And then out of nowhere, this guy just starts like coming down from the sky. He was abseiling down the waterfall. I was like, whoa, look at that guy. Um, and we were kind of just mesmerized. Like no one else was here. There wasn't any abseiling tours that we'd heard of. So we thought, oh, this is pretty cool. And I started recording him for YouTube, which you can see on my YouTube channel on the mobile video. Um, and then, yeah, he came down. I was like, wow, that was cool. And then next thing you know, another lady starts abseiling down the waterfall too. And I'm like, wow, so I, I was recording her as well. And then a third person came down, but he literally ran down in about 10 seconds. Like, he was not scared at all. He'd definitely been abseiling before. They were trying to sort out their rope and stuff, and I went up to the girl. I was like, oh, hey, like, um, that's really cool what you're doing. I got a video if you want to, um, to send it to you. I can send you the video of you abseiling. And she was really sweet. She was like, oh, yeah, like, and, and then I added her on Facebook, and we got chatting. And she said that she is local to mobile and was asking us what we'd been up to. And I said, oh, like, we've done this and that. Like, we, um, we went snorkeling um, a couple of days ago with the turtles, like they recommend you to do in mobile. But we were kind of disappointed because the visibility wasn't very good. There was lots of tourists around and the water was quite dirty. And whenever I did see a turtle, like, there'd be a massive group of people surrounding the turtle and like you couldn't really see properly like there was instructors getting photos of their um tourists that they were with and fins flapping in my face and it just wasn't a very enjoyable experience at all 
And she was like, oh, no way, like, um, you should come to my house. We have turtles, like, in uh, the ocean where we live. And I was like, wow, really? Okay, this sounds nice. We exchanged contact details, and the next day we ended up going to see her at her place. Her and her husband, or, or boyfriend. Um, her boyfriend was actually from Birmingham, but... He'd lived there for like three years. He was really tan, like we thought he was local. So yeah, the next day we drove down to see them. We had rented snorkeling masks from the original place that we went snorkeling, but I said to the guy like, oh, is it okay if we bring them back later? We're not snorkeling here, we're going to snorkel somewhere else. And he was absolutely fine with that. Um, so we brought our own snorkeling gear. We went out um, originally by ourselves because they were going to go off and do some other things. But when we were out in the water, they came and joined us. They're like, oh, we're going to come and join you. And then we've pushed our other things back to later on in the day. We're like, oh, that's really kind. Thank you. They were saying that most days they see about 20 turtles and the visibility was so clear. No wonder they live there. No wonder that guy from Birmingham has been living there for three years. It is stunning. Probably one of the best places I have been snorkeling slash diving in my life. And yeah, those were both, they were both free divers. They had big free diving fins on. Um, but we didn't know, like, we didn't plan on free diving there. So we didn't have any fins at all. But the lady, she let me borrow her fins. They were massive white freediving fins. And the guy let me borrow his watch, his freediving watch that would tell me like how many meters down I would go. And he was, cause I'm not actually certified in freediving. I have just been like learning for fun, kind of like just freediving by myself. Not, not exactly um, certified, but like I know what I'm doing and I know how to clear my breath and all the safety and stuff like that. Like I'm not gonna black out or anything and I don't go too deep or hold my breath for too long. So I feel completely safe. But he was helping me dive and we were diving together and he also let me use his GoPro. So I filmed some turtles. I dived for 40 seconds, which, um, at 10 meters deep and I was so happy with myself like we had such an incredible day you can see all the turtles and the footage that we got on my YouTube channel so go and have a look because I think you'll absolutely adore everything on there I was so glad that we met that couple and it just goes to show that sometimes the best things that you can do whilst traveling is talking to local people we're not going through the list of things to do in XYZ on TripAdvisor, not going onto the map and ticking things off and, uh, you know, like getting a photo in this touristy spot. For me, like traveling is not about that. It's about going to these places, living like locals, talking with locals, trying to learn the language, experiencing their culture, trying new foods. Um, and definitely not going to all-inclusive resorts for 10 days, drinking cocktails by the pool, all-inclusive. Like, that is not travelling for me. That's just, like, a holiday. And, and actually, like, I don't think I would enjoy that anyway. Maybe for, like, two days, but I would get bored so quickly. Like, I need adventure. Oh, it was Halloween as well while we were in Mobile. Was it Halloween? Yeah. And, um... It was also Saturday night, so I ended up going out with some of the other girls at the hostel. Eve and Eliz decided to stay in. They just wanted, like, a chilled night. But I was like, nah, it's Halloween. I am in the Philippines. It's not going to... I'm not going to get this experience again. 
So we ended up going to this rooftop party that we'd heard about where all the other locals were going. And when we got there, it was, it wasn't, it, it was really weird vibe. Like I felt like I was in an NCP car park and we were just on the car park roof. Like it was crazy. Um, but this girl there who was like the manager or something like she was getting us free drinks. She was making us try all the shots on the menu and was like giving us proper VIP treatment. And I was like, well, like what's going on here? This is crazy. Um, I ended up looking out that night, so I can't really tell you too much more about what happened because I woke up the next day in bed like, how did I get here? Uh, how am I home? I don't remember getting home. Um, but yeah, like from what I do remember, we had such a great night, like meeting locals. There was this one guy, like, because it was a Halloween contest, Halloween costume contest. And there was this one guy dressed like Russell from Up. He had all the badges on. He had like loads of balloons above his head, like on a stick. He had his backpack on with his camping gear and he looked great. Like I loved him. He was so good. Getting out, appreciating like life like a local in Cebu Island in Mobile. Like it was great. All right. Then the last place we went to in the Philippines was Shargao. Shargao, I love you. Shargao Island has a place in my heart. I even got a t-shirt that says Shargao. In fact, I got three t-shirts from Shargao. One from a market, one to support Shargao Dragons, which my surf instructor is a part of the team. And another Shargao t-shirt which has a picture of someone with a motorbike and a surfboard on the back. Like, I fell in love with it. I didn't even get a t-shirt from Bali, hey. But no, so the first night we got there, we stayed, well, the first three nights we stayed in a place called Mad Monkey. You, I'm sure you would have heard of Mad Monkey if you're travelling, or if you haven't started travelling yet, you will hear of Mad Monkey. It is a chain of hostels, they're all around Southeast Asia, and they're known for being a bit more party, a bit more social, hostile. Um, every now and then they will ring a bell and it means that they're just giving away free shots at the bar. So it's like, wow, okay, like, uh, you can kind of get the vibe from that. We met lots of people at Mad Monkey and kind of formed our friendship group there that we hung out with for the rest of the trip. But to be honest with you, I wasn't a huge fan of the rooms or the layout or the bathroom arrangements. Like, the bathrooms were separate from the rooms. Like, I just, I don't know. I just didn't love it. But I would recommend it if you're a solo traveller and you want to meet other people. And, like, well, even if you're, like, in a group already and you want to meet other people. Like, I would definitely go there. And also as well, like, even if you're staying somewhere else, you can always go to Mad Monkey and, and have some drinks there. Like, that's absolutely fine. I'm sure they'd welcome you with open arms. On our first day, we went to a place called Duke Beach. One of the guys um, who works there was recommended it to us. So me, Eve, Aliz, Kyle and Reese are new friends. We went to Duke Beach. I was navigating us. It felt like we're in the Harjang Loop again, me navigating a big group. And... It was beautiful there. We went paddle boarding. We accidentally drifted so far away. We were all just like chilling. And then when we looked up, like, fuck, like, we're ages away. We've drifted so far. So it took us ages trying to get back to the beach, um, back to safe land. 
And yeah, we were just on the paddle boards. We were getting to know each other. We called them the paddle boards of truth because we were all just telling each other secrets about um, things that we'd done in our lives that we've never really told anyone. Kind of deep, you know. We, uh, yeah, we were having a deep chat with uh, people we just met. But yeah, we did, we did a lot when we were in Shargao. Um, one of the things that I really loved was just hanging out with the locals and getting to know them and, yeah, just making friends with people from the island. They were telling us as well about growing up there and how much it's changed over the years and for the better. They said that they're much happier now that the place is more touristy, which is good to hear. The roads... Um, and the bikes and like all the restaurants and stuff like that wasn't there before they said that growing up there wasn't roads as we know it it was kind of just like paths and they had horse and carriages and they never really had motorbikes before when they were young so it was really interesting to just imagine how life would be back then before tourism started booming there uh they also said that the only job that they could really have back then was to be a fisherman and they didn't really have any other jobs but now you can be a taxi driver you can be a surf instructor you can have a restaurant you can be a tour guide like it just has brought them so much opportunity tourism over in Shargao and they they seem so much happier there like from what they were saying to me they loved it it is a lot more westernised Shargao than the other places in the Philippines, I found. Um, but I did enjoy cafe hopping. It's probably my favourite thing to do, no matter where I am in the world. It's just going round and having cappuccinos at different cafes. One of my favourite places that I hung out was a place called Sybil. Sybil Cafe in General Luna, Shargao. Oh, I am... Um, when I left eventually after like 10 days I even said goodbye to them they were like oh we'll miss you I was like oh I'll miss you too I'm gonna be back next year um because when I left I was actually like so sad leaving Shargao we're only there for 10 days but within those 10 days like I went surfing I met friends with locals we even moved into an apartment so just on that subject so we're in Mad Monkey for three days and then for another, I think, maybe three days or two days, we booked a place called Hotel for Dogs. That's what we called it. It was Its actual name is Paradisio. Um, but we called it Hotel for Dogs because there were so many dogs there. I think at one time I counted seven. And it was not a big place as well. Like, it's, it's quite a small place. When we were checking in, the dogs were just, like, licking us and stuff. We were like, oh kind of friendly but like also not what you want when you're all hot and sticky and you've got all your bags and stuff um but yeah I mean like they were friendly and stuff I mean the dogs were um that's as far as I can say about being friendly it was okay it was in a good location like right in general luna mad monkey was maybe 10 minute drive away oh I'm just having flashbacks now with just getting on a bike and riding through riding around the island Oh, it's literally like, it feels like yesterday, but it's like a month ago now. Oh, do you know what? It actually kills me when you, you do something and then it fades away into the memory, fades away into something that you used to do, not something that you're currently doing now. And that really upsets me. But I guess at the moment now I've got my new life in Early Beach. I'm just starting my new career, working on the boat, so... Yeah, and I could always go back to Shargao at some point as well. I, I said that I would, 
and um, I'm sure I will at some point. I've just seen angel numbers 111111 um, and Apparently it means new opportunities are on the way or that is the start of a new beginning. Literally what I was just saying. Wow, that's crazy. Okay. New beginnings, Ellie Beach, new beginnings on a boat. Ooh, got a chill through me. There was so much that we did in Chargao. Um, we went to Beto Cold Springs with some people that we met and were jumping into the rock pool, swinging from the rope swing and just chilling out, having a hot Milo and just like, you know, chilling around, having some drinks, chatting, listening to him playing the guitar. There was lots of rain in Chargao, and I mean lots. We just got there in rainy season. I did have a raincoat, but unfortunately it didn't do anything. It was no match for the treacherous downpours that Chargao had for us. Um, I, I may as well have been wearing nothing uh, instead of wearing that raincoat. In fact, actually, we're probably, it would probably be better for me to wear nothing because then I wouldn't need to worry about wet clothes and then I, I would have something dry to wear when the rain stopped. But do you know what? It's all right. It doesn't matter. It's in the past. Now we learn from it and we move forwards. Some of the times we would, there was this one time, actually it was when we were driving to the Beto Cold Springs, the rain was so bad we had to stop and shelter under the, some random person's house. Uh, we, we were fine driving there, like it, it was alright, we thought, you know what, we're gonna get there soon, whatever. But it got so bad, like we could barely see because the rain in our eyes. I think I had a visor on, I can't remember if I had a visor or not at that moment. Um, but I definitely did have my sunglasses on, so it wasn't getting into my eyes. I could have done with some window wipers on my glasses, which would have been great. It's also, like, dangerous driving in the rain, especially if you have a passenger on the back of your bike. And, you know, you've got, you've got to be safe, you've got to put yourself first, so sometimes you've just got to stop at the side of the road and wait for the rain to pass. And then you can kind of just, like, laugh at the situation you're in while you're just there, soaked, nothing you can do, everything you have is soaking wet, even your phone. We went to a place called Ma'asin River and some caves around, which you may have heard of, you may have seen it online. Uh, you go there, there's this plank that's in the sky, you, you go up and you walk the plank and then you jump off, but the thing is, the river's not even that deep, so you've got to make sure you bend your legs, otherwise like, you're just going to hit the bottom of the river straight away, like it's, it's kind of crazy if you think about it. I went there twice actually, and the second time I went there, there were lots of um, people that were just like going up and jumping off, but there was also this guy, he was literally under it trying to fix it like it was being constructed or like getting some maintenance work, maintenance, getting some maintenance work done on it as we were there and they just didn't care, they were like, yep, yeah, go on, you can go up, like it, it didn't, they didn't care, like that's the thing I love about Asia is that it's not too strict, there's not all these rules and regulations, you can just live life freely. On the way there, we stopped off at the Coconut Tree View Lookout, and it reminded me of something from the Lorax. You know, the animation about trees and the land and just nature and beauty. Oh, it was stunning. It's just, it's pretty much this, uh, it's not even a bridge, it's like a lookout, uh, and you can just 
you're above the treetops, you can see for miles away just all the trees, it's stunning. Um, go and have a look on Google, I don't think I've posted anything about it yet. Uh, maybe I posted a reel or a YouTube video, but yeah, go and have a look, you'll love it. If you happen to be in Shargao on a Sunday, then you may have heard about the famous wakeboarding park party. So, just to give you some context there, in Shargao there's one wakeboarding park and it's one of their activities that they love to do. Um, every Sunday they host a party, so you can go there for free and with the purchase of any drink, it doesn't need to be alcoholic, I just got a coke, um, you can wakeboard for free. So not only do you get to save money on wakeboarding, because I think it's quite expensive otherwise, you get party, there's a DJ, there's good vibes, good, good atmosphere. Um, so if you do happen to be there on a Sunday, then hold out on wakeboarding until Sunday because it will be so much better. Okay, I've mentioned surfing a lot, but I haven't gone into too much detail about it, but okay, now I will, I promise. Um, so before I got to Shargao, I knew I wanted to go there because I haven't been surfing in so long. The last time I went surfing was probably in Bali, uh, maybe like, uh, April time. April in 2022, last year. So it had been a while and I was quite keen to get back out on the waves. I heard that Cloud9 was the spot for surfing. So even though it was raining, even though there was thunderstorms, I went down and I spoke to one of the surf instructors on the beach in Cloud9. And he said that it was fine, like I could go out surfing, that there wasn't going to be a storm, like it was going to be good for the rest of the day. And I told him I'd been surfing before, so we were kind of just like trying to get used to each other from surf instructor to student, just to like gauge and see where I was in terms of my surfing ability. So we went out, we had some fun, like he said that I was pretty good at surfing and got used to what I was capable of. And we had a really good session. Originally, I was going to only go out for one hour because... Um, surfing in Bali was quite intense, the waves were quite big, and I was a little bit apprehensive about getting back out. But surfing is so much fun that an hour just seems like nothing. So after an hour passed, I was like, oh, okay, well, let's do a two-hour lesson instead. So yeah, two hours passed by, and eventually I was like, right, I need something to eat because this is really strenuous. And yeah, I had a really good lesson. We agreed that we would go surfing the next day together again, um, but this time he said he was going to take me to a different place called Ocean Nine, um, and it was a bit further north of the islands. Uh, it was in a place called Santa Fe, which is actually where my surf instructor's from, Pau. He's the best. He's the best surf instructor I've ever had in my entire life. Um, really recommend the next day, we went surfing there. I met him at Ocean Nine. Oh no, I think I met him at Cloud Nine and we went to Ocean Nine together. Um, and yeah, we had such a great time. So he told me that the reason why it's better is because it's a local spot. No one else really goes there. It's not a touristy place. And he did not disappoint. I got there and there was only one other student in the water and she wasn't even there the entire time. So for the rest of the day, I had all the waves to myself. It was a private beach, pretty much. The waves were a bit bigger, they were a bit longer, and I felt like I was pushing myself and challenging myself more. 
normally those bigger waves would scare me because I'm not very confident, especially like with surfing and knowing the waters, knowing like where the shoulder is, where the peak is, because I feel like it's all good and well, but because you move around, it's so fluid, like you move a lot and it's hard to keep track of where you are and where you should be. So I felt really safe with Pal, which was nice and refreshing. I wasn't worried about getting washed out because I knew that he would be there for me if something were to happen and I was to get washing machine for 30 seconds or whatever. I absolutely adored it and I think that day I fell in love with surfing again and I said to myself I was going to surf every day for the rest of my trip in Chargao with Pal at Ocean 9, which I did. On our... um. On our paddle back, it was a reef break, so we had to paddle for a while, but on our paddle back, Pal said to me, do you like octopus? And I thought, God, it's like 10 in the morning, like that's a random question to ask. But yeah, I do, why? And one of the other instructors had caught an octopus with his bare hands and cooked it for us. So what he did, he, he caught it and he bit the eyeball out so that it died straight away. That's how they kill them and grilled it for us, steamed some rice and lay some vanilla leaves on the table to set the table, put the octopus there, put the rice there and we just ate it with our hands and I thought wow like this is the kind of stripped back humbleness, time with locals that I love. You're not going to do that on a tour, well I mean you could but it's all very um, regimented and, and structured and you know put together. I loved it and I don't even like normally love octopus that much at first I was like okay this is a bit weird um I like squid but I don't think I've ever had octopus before so we just sat there in the morning he even got a coconut down from the tree and cut it open now normally if you go somewhere and you buy a coconut they cut it open for you and put some ice and, and give you a straw but he didn't have a straw he just got this coconut with his bare hands and chopped it up so I was tipping it, it was warm, it was authentic, it was humble, it was true authentic living in the Philippines. And I loved it, I fell in love with it, and I kept going back every day, I kept going back to see Pau, kept going back to see the other surf instructors, and I just loved it. The thing as well with the Philippines is a lot of people speak English. Um... It was colonized by Spain in 1565. So in 1565 until 1898, so that's over 300 years. So 530, that's 333 years of colonization by Spain. Like that's a long time. And actually that's, that's far longer ago than I thought it was. I thought it was more recent than that. Um, but yeah, so because of that, the Filipino language is very similar to Spanish, but they also speak English as, like, fluently as you and I do. Some of them even have American accents because of their TV, I think. I think it's because of TV. Because of that, like, you can have really in-depth conversations with locals, not like you could really in other places around Southeast Asia, which is really nice and refreshing because sometimes it's just so nice being able to have deeper, more meaningful conversations and you can learn a lot more about the history of a place by talking to someone who directly lives there rather than from textbooks and things or trying to interpret what somebody's saying. Like it was so nice just being able to have that conversation fluently with the locals there and just learning about the history.
All right, I'm gonna talk a little bit more now about the places in General Luna that I loved. First of all, the nightlife. Every night there is a different place to go and a different bar. Our favorite place was Barbosa, and there's a DJ there called Jay Roo who is just sick. He is amazing. He brings all the vibes. He mixes like funk and techno and like all these different things, and it's just a good night. And also as well, Barbosa is quite small. Um, their DJ backdrop is all vinyls as well, so it's just such a cool place to be. Um, you've got to get there early because because it's so small, it gets busy, and sometimes like it will take a long time for you to get in. But overall, it's such a good night. We ended up going there twice um, because ten days like there was an overlap, so we was able to get there a few times. There was uh, also what was the other place called? Um, there was a few other places as well, but to be honest, Barbosa is the best one that's worth telling you about. But when you go there, just ask the locals where is the best place to go tonight and they'll tell you. Everyone knows where the place to be is for the night. It's like an agreement that all the bars have together is like, right, go here on Saturday, go here on Tuesday. If you can go to Barbosa, then go to Barbosa. Like, it's fun. Okay, Cavada. Cavada is a restaurant and it is a buffet style restaurant. So instead of like a traditional restaurant where you go there, you sit down, you look at the menu, you order, you wait for your food, you eat and you pay, it's all in a different order. So you go there, you pick your food, then you sit down and then you eat and then you wait to pay and then you pay. Like, so it's an interesting concept and it means that as soon as you get there, if you're hungry, you don't need to wait for food, you don't need to wait for drinks, uh, you can just go there, you can eat straight away, it's good, like there's big tables so you can sit with people like other people that you don't know, you can make friends, you can start conversations with other people and it's really good, I think it's a really good style restaurant. I'm sure they have these style restaurants in other places around the world but we were really impressed by this one in particular and the food was incredible. The only thing I would say is the food does run out at a particular time. I don't know what time, but like whenever the food runs out. So make sure you get there early. Don't get there too late, otherwise you might be disappointed. Oh, also as well, like the main the main part of the reason why it's so cool is um when you go to pay, so so when you get your food, they tell you to take a picture of your of your plate, which I mean I'm sure you do anyway for your Instagram stories. Um, and then when you go to pay, you show them the picture and then they just price up what you've had and charge you that way. So it's quite cool. Everyone's queuing up with a picture of their food. There's a guy at the front with a calculator and a tin of money, You're like just charging everyone, giving them their change. And it's, it's really cool. So it's, um, it's also like the anticipation of waiting to see how much your plate is going to be. It's not going to be expensive. It's going to be like £3, $6, um, Australian dollars, like whatever, like it's cheap. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's like a fun restaurant. Towards the end of my trip, we drove north, so to the north of the island of Chargao, to Pacifico and Magpapungo Rock Pools. We were considering spending a night or two up north, however, we decided that we wanted to get an apartment instead um, and then just go up for the day. Now, we were absolutely thrilled with our apartment and especially after spending like the past like three weeks um, in hostels and having to, you know, like lock your stuff before you leave, like 
go into your bag to get XYZ and then lock your bag up and then you've forgotten something and then you've got to go back in and lock it up and make sure no one steals your laptop and stuff like that. We could just leave our shit everywhere. We could make a cup of coffee in the morning. We could just come and go as we please, not having to worry about anyone else in the room. And, oh, it was just so nice, like, having our own space, having, like, a kitchen area, having our own fridge, having our own bathroom and not having to worry about sharing and just having our own shower, things like that. Like, it was just so nice having our own place. Um, now, where our apartment was, was in General Luna, like, in the ideal location. So we had our own apartment, we had our own bikes, we had our local friends. Like, it actually felt like we were living in Stargal for those 10 days. Um, and it's probably no surprise to you that I am considering going back to Stargal at some point next year to continue pursuing surfing with Pal. And yeah, just getting more confident in the water, catching more waves, catching bigger waves, seeing how far I can challenge myself this time. Um, I just need to get my own rash vest because I was using powers all the time and bless him, like he's so sweet. He's just like the sweetest person ever. Giving me his rash vest, letting me use like the shoes as well. And oh, like I just adore him so much. Like he is the sweetest person ever. Shout out to Shargal Dragons. I am still wearing your t-shirt every day. Shargal Dragons are a dragon boat racing team and they are just the best group of people ever. They went to Palawan recently and won their dragon boat racing contest, which I'm super proud of. And I knew they would smash it because they're just amazing. So in sync with one another and yeah, they're amazing. I love you Shargal Dragons. But yeah, so going back on to going to the north, going to Pacifico and Magpapongo rock pools, we were going to do it over a few days, but we ended up doing a day trip there. You can do it in a day. It was a bit rushed and we never actually made it to Allegria Beach, um, but we were still happy going to Magpapongo rock pools. Um, we got there just in the nick of time because the tide was coming in, which meant the rock pools were kind of like disappearing and um going into the ocean kind of getting lost into that but we did make it we managed to go there relaxed in the rock pools and then drove to pacifico oh right so i i was looking at the water in pacifico i was looking at the waves and i was kind of like christ like this is rough like it's known for being for intermediates and experts and i thought there's no way i'm getting in that water but one of the surf instructors, like, along the beach came up to me and asked me if I wanted to go surfing. And I said, no way, look at the water, that's for experts. Um, I said, I'm intermediate, I'm not an expert. And he said to me, he pointed to the distance and said, well, you can go to the shoulder there. And that's for intermediates, like, you, you can go there, like, one of the guides will go with you. And I kind of thought, hmm, okay, like, I was thinking about it, like, I did really want to go into the water, but part of me was like, oh, well, I haven't got Pal with me, like, Pal is such a good instructor, like, I know that some other instructors are not as good. Um, but I decided to give him the benefit of the doubt, and I agreed to go into Pacifico Beach with this instructor that I didn't know. Big mistake. Big mistake. I got my board and the instructor got his board and we went in together 
And we were both on longboards in this intermediate water. It was quite near rocks. And the current was really strong. I was trying to paddle out, but I couldn't because of how strong the current was. And my instructor kind of just left me. Um, maybe he didn't realise that I was so far behind, but I was just at this point by myself in the water. I was quite scared, but I remember what Pal said, not to be scared of the waves, waves are friendly, and just trying to like hype myself up because the instructor wasn't going to. And where we were, we were quite far out in the shoulder, like if anything, there, were, there weren't any waves there at all. Um, and so I said to him, like, should we not go in a little bit more? And he was like, yeah, okay. But, like, obviously I, like I said, I don't know how to read the water. Um, well, I mean, I kind of do, but I struggle as well, especially at a new beach where I haven't observed the water. I'm just trusting the surf instructor to take me out and to make me feel safe. Um, okay, so there's a wave coming. He tells me to paddle, so I paddle. And he's like, right, get up now. So I get up, and the wave... Like, I don't know, it just kind of, like, I don't know what happened. Like, my balance was absolutely fine, but the wave just, like, took me up. The wave was huge, and I got washed out, of course. I was like, wow, okay, that was tough. And another wave came, and I got washed out again, washed out again, before I can, like, paddle to the side to the shoulder. Oh, like, that was, uh, that was tough, and... <laughs> took me a minute to catch my breath back as it would in waters like that it took me a minute to paddle back round and I got back to well trying to get back to my instructor but he was surfing his own waves I was like right okay eventually he got back I caught my breath back he was like oh that was really good and I was like what do you mean that was good like I didn't I didn't like catch the wave like I, I got washed out like no that was not good at all and then the same thing happened a wave was coming he told me to paddle get up I did and I think this time, like, I didn't even get up from my board. I, I didn't, I wasn't even able to stand up. I just lost my balance because I think it was whitewash and, like, it was just really strong, like, strenuous. It was quite hard. Like, I just couldn't balance. It was a strong wave. Um, got washed out, tried to paddle to the side, and then the instructor was like, oh, that was really good. I was like... I didn't even stand up from my board. What do you mean it was good? Like, that was shit. And at this point, I was getting really agitated. And I decided I was, I was ready to give up at this point. And I decided, no, I'm not a quitter. Um, and actually, it took me, like, a while to paddle back. It was, it was really tough. The current was real strong by this point. It got really strong. And, yeah, I just wasn't having a good time at all. But then I thought, well, there's been other points in my life where I've been surfing, I've not had a good time, and I've been ready to quit, and then I've just carried on and, and not given up, and then I've caught a good wave, and then, like, my perspective changed, and then I did have a good time. So I decided to give it one more go, and this wave just completely wipes me out. I was washing machines for, I think, about 15 seconds. The current was so strong. I think I didn't cut myself, but, like, I was just upside down, like, right above this coral. And it really scared me. And the instructor just was nowhere in sight to help me at all. He didn't... He just wasn't, like, watching me. He didn't have a clue what was going on. He didn't realise how unsafe I felt. I didn't want to quit. I'm not a quitter, but I thought this at this point now, this is becoming dangerous. Like, he's not watching me. I feel like I'm alone in these waters. The current's really strong, so I decided to give up and paddle back in. 
And I couldn't even paddle back in because the water, I was just drifting and drifting and drifting. At this point, I was going quite near to some nearby rocks. And I thought, fuck, like the water's strong. If I get plummeted into these rocks, I'm really gonna hurt myself. Um, eventually I managed to get back in, come in looking like a drowned rat, like completely defeated. I hated it, I hated it. I had such a shit time. And I was really disappointed. I was really angry as well. I was angry at the surf instructor. I was angry at the other guy who told me that it was safe and that I could go in and that intermediates could go in there. And I thought there's no fucking way that intermediates are able to surf in this. Like no beginners. I told him like I was new to surfing. I'm not a complete beginner, but like I'm definitely not an expert. And he was just so happy to take my money and to let me go into the waters. And honestly, like I felt so unsafe. It was dangerous. And eventually the surf instructor realized that I was gone. He came in, he was like, oh, are you okay? What's up? I was like, that's not good. I said, the, the surf here is too strong for me. The waves are too big. I'm not go. I'm not, I'm not staying here. I'm going. And it had only been 20 minutes by this point. I was really upset. So I took my board. I walked back feeling completely deflated, so angry. And the other guy came up to me. He was kind of laughing a bit. He was like, oh no, what's wrong? I said, you told me that these waters were safe. And I told you that these waters are for experts right now. Look at it. Look at the waves. They're huge. And I was angry. I was furious. And my friend came up to me. She was like, what's up? And I was just shaking my head. And I said to him, it is so unsafe out there. You should not be taking people out into the waters, especially if they tell you they're not confident. And also as well, your surf instructor just left me. He left me out there by myself. I got completely wiped out. He wasn't even watching me. And he was kind of like, oh no, like, yeah, like getting kind of defensive, like, yeah, you're an intermediate, you go that side. I said, yeah, that side, like, have you felt the current? Have you seen how close that is to the rocks? Like, no, I'm not a surfing expert. I know the difference between what's dangerous and what you should just overcome because of fear. And he kind of didn't like that. He didn't like the attitude I was giving him, but I didn't like the attitude he was giving me. And we just, it wasn't working. And I decided that I wasn't gonna surf again. I didn't pay him. I felt bad because like the other guy, um, he'd given me 20 minutes of his time, but I thought, do you know what? Like you shouldn't be taking people out in these conditions. You shouldn't be scamming people for money and just taking them out, not giving a fuck about their safety. So yeah, I decided to spend the rest of the afternoon sunbathing. The next day, I think was maybe my second to last day surfing back at Ocean Nine with Pal. And I told him, I said, by the way, you know Pacifico, like, is it for experts or intermediates? And he said, yeah, it's for experts. Like you can surf there if you're an intermediate, but like you have to um, go there on certain days in certain places, like in the water by the shoulder. And I told him about the whole ordeal and, and he was like, oh, I'm really sorry about that. Like, people shouldn't be like that. They shouldn't be taking you out to surf in those conditions. And it was a real shame because it meant that for my surf um, lesson the next day, I was kind of scared again, like about the waves. Like, there weren't even big waves, but I kept getting scared about getting washed out. Um, I wasn't as confident as I was. Like, the confidence that I'd managed to build up with POW had completely um, been broken. And I think I had two lessons left after that. It took me a while to get back to where I was again. And it was just a real shame. Like he definitely saw the difference in my surfing abilities there and my confidence. And like even on some of the ways, like when I was ready to pop up, it just didn't get up because I was scared. 
after a few lessons, like, it, it did come back to me, like, I did gain my confidence again, but it was just a real shame that, like, someone would do that to me and whoever else, like, maybe, maybe someone else who was a beginner or, like, wasn't so confident at surfing might have gone out and that would completely put them off for life, like, that maybe could set off a new fear for them of the ocean, like, it's just so unfair the way that he went about that whole situation. And, yeah, it was a shame about... Uh, my confidence afterwards but I got back in the water I knew who I was I knew my surfing abilities and I didn't let that stop me from getting back on the waves moral of the story is if you go to Pacifico and you want to get in the ocean don't go with a surf instructor who's pressuring you to go in and yeah just observe the water first and make sure you're confident because otherwise yeah it can it can be dangerous on a on a high note though um, one of my last surf lessons was in the evening and Pow and I went to Ocean 9 on, a, like, during, like, just as the sun was setting. The sky was pink, it was shining, reflecting on the water, and the water was glistening pink and white, like a Frank Ocean song. Then I looked to the side, I look at the sky and a rainbow had formed and I said to Pals, oh my god, look, there's a rainbow over there. And then there was another guy, um, he wasn't surfing, I don't know what them things are called, let me Google it actually. It's like a surfboard that comes out of the water. Hydrofoil board. Okay, so a foil board, also known as a hydrofoil board or foil surfboard, is a type of board used in water sports. It is distinct from surfboards in that it has a hydrofoil rather than fins mounted underneath. Okay, so pretty much it sticks out of the water. And there was one guy on that, there was a rainbow, there was the sunset, and it was just a really magical evening. The clouds were fluffy, I felt like I was in heaven. And um, yeah, at one point I was just like, I was just chilling on the, on the still water and I thought, is this what heaven's like? Just being in the sea, being surrounded by all this beauty, all this nature, feeling so at peace and being happy on an island. And yeah, for that evening, I felt like I was in heaven. Overall, I absolutely adored the Philippines. I fell in love with it. It's got a place in my heart, not just the places, but the people of Chargal and the rest of the Philippines. And I actually cried when I left. I was so emotional leaving. I was so emotional um, about my last surf lesson as well and saying goodbye to Pal. I had to give my bike back as well, so he, he dropped me home on my very last surf lesson and yeah it was just real sad I said to him that I would probably be back at some point next year and that I would see him soon and I would tell him before I'm coming back because he needs to be my instructor I will not go there if anyone else is gonna help me surf like it needs to be him I can see myself living in Chargal for a couple of months, spending my time surfing, spending my afternoons editing for YouTube, editing for my podcast in the cafe with my oat cappuccino at Sybil, riding round, eating at Cavada restaurant and kind of just like doing the things that I used to do in Bali, but without the pretentiousness, without the expectations. One thing I do like about Bali is... Um, the size of the island, it's a lot bigger than Chargao in terms of, um, like, 
places to eat, places to go and things to do. But do you know what? You don't need any of that. And it really is personal preference on what you like, what you value most in terms of where you want to live or where you want to um, travel or spend time on holiday. You know, like everyone's different. But I would really recommend going to the Philippines, Shargao especially. I think what to do is just make a list of places you want to go and just have a think about how much time you have all together, how much time you want to spend in each place. Don't try and overdo it. Don't try and go to too many places because you can always go back to the Philippines in the future like I'm planning on doing. I think it would be impossible. Well, nothing's impossible, but I think it would be very difficult to do everything you want to do in one trip in the Philippines unless you've got a good few months to spend overall really recommend definitely got a place in my heart if you're planning on going to the philippines or if you've already been if you've got any stories to share i would love to know and as well if you've got any questions then please send them my way also if you need a surf instructor hit me up and i'll give you pal's contact details because made me feel so safe really helped me push past my boundaries really friendly guy, really humble, he deserves the world, and I would a thousand percent recommend Pal. I think that's pretty much everything I have to say. Make sure you visit all the beaches, get a bike, ride around. It is scary getting on a bike, especially if it's your first time. I mean, you don't have to do it, but I feel like you'd be missing out otherwise, because Eliz and I, um, I think one of our favourite things to do is just ride around and feel free on a bike riding through palm trees and on the island and yeah just feeling that wind through our hair and being able to do whatever we want. If you've got any questions or would like to know a bit more about the Philippines if you're going to go there and want to know any specifics about this place or that place or anything at all just send me a message on instagram my dms are always open and you know i love helping out with you guys in your travels so don't feel like you're being a burden and yeah i would love to hear from you if you like this episode then please give me a good review on spotify apple wherever you're listening on and also as well, like take a look at my YouTube channel. I only started it recently, so you guys will love it. There's lots of action-packed videos there on the Philippines. I've separated it into Caron and El Nido and then Malbol and then Shargao is on there too. Shargao, because I did so much, I've split it up into two videos. So the second one will be will be coming out very shortly. Thank you for listening, guys. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. And I will see you in the next one.